I'm Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today, and this is Capital Download. We're joined today by Katie Packer, Deputy Campaign Manager for Mitt Romney in 2012, now head of a super PAC, our principles devoted to stopping Donald Trump's nomination. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So can Trump be stopped? Sure, he can absolutely be stopped. I happen to think that Donald Trump is not a conservative. He's probably not even a Republican. If Donald Trump wins the Florida and Ohio primaries, which are just in a week, and are winner take all, he'll need just about 50% of the future delegates. At that point, is he unstoppable if he wins those two contests? Sure, it's, it's, it's much tougher if that were to happen, and I don't think that is gonna happen. I do think that he's gonna have trouble in both Florida and Ohio. Um, we're, we're pulling out all the stops in those places. You know, a lot of mainstream Republican leaders were alarmed by Donald Trump from the start, mm -hmm. from, from his announcement through last fall when he emerged as a surprisingly strong candidate. So why has it taken until now to have a kind of concerted opposition to him? Your PAC was formed in, in January. Mm -hmm. Why so late? I, like a lot of other people, thought, well, we can see that the emperor has no clothes. Surely everybody else can see that too. It seemed obvious and there, I think that there was an assumption that as time went on that the story about Trump would be told and people would start to you know, see that he was a big con. Um, I, I think that there's some blame to be had for, from the other candidates not you know, launching an aggressive campaign, but certainly the media has been very complicit in sort of talking all about the horse race all the time and talking about some of the outrageous things he says, but has not done their job of treating him as a serious candidate and exploring his record and demanding um, actual plans um, uh, to back up all of his rhetoric. Leaving aside the media's role, talk about the other candidates. Why has there been a reluctance until very recently for other candidates to take on Donald Trump directly? Well, I think that there was a sense that if any of these candidates could be the last guy standing against Trump, that they would win. And I think they're all right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it just took longer than anybody anticipated. You know, there's been a kind of reluctance among some uh, in the Republican leadership to unite behind Ted Cruz because he's been at odds with the leadership here in Washington so mm -hmm. often is seen as not a uniting figure and, is, and is, some people say kind of an ideologue. But do you think he would be a good candidate? You think that he's a candidate who's beaten Donald Trump in the most states, should, should Republicans unite behind him? Um, at the moment, I don't think that it's time for any rallying because I think that we need John Kasich to win Ohio in order to stop Trump there. And I think we need Marco Rubio in Florida to stop Trump. How much do you think you'll spend on ads in Florida? I don't know what the total number will end up being, but you know, between our efforts and all the other efforts that are, that are out there that are going after him, I would anticipate it'll probably be between 10 and 15 million. I heard, uh, I read a report that you were spending 3.5 million in Florida. Is that about right? I don't, I don't have the specific number in front of me. We're as, as quickly as we can raise it, you know, we're putting it back out on the air. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture to guess a specific number at this point. So tell us who's contributing to your super PAC. All of our contributors are publicly reported. Uh, when the FEC requires them, that's when we report them. But we don't really talk publicly, you know, in, in a forum like this about our donors because we don't think that that's really the important message. We asked for questions on Twitter. Here's one from someone named Grant. Thank her for attacking democracy with rich people's money. Now, it is true that Trump has been winning primaries, drawing new voters to the GOP. 
Is this attacking democracy if he wins de convention delegates fair and square? I think it's a little laughable suggesting that some rich people can't have a voice in the process, but Donald Trump, who's been driving around in chauffeur-driven limousines since he was a baby and inherited $200 million from his dad, somehow he's immune to any kind of scrutiny. Um, I think that's sort of laughable. This is a guy who is about to con his way to the Republican nomination. And I just think somebody should tell his story. And if the American people hear all of that information and still decide to move forward, that's how democracy works. Let me ask you about one more tweet we got when we put out a request for questions for you. Kent Clark sent us a note saying, you'd think these efforts would only strengthen his support, saying that Trump was a non-politician. Is there a risk that if there is a kind of concerted effort by Republican leaders, uh, Republican donors against Trump, that it kind of strengthens his message that he's the guy who's going to stand up to the, to the old established interests that haven't served some Americans well. Well, first of all, I just want to say um, we don't know. We don't know the answer to that because it hasn't been tried. Um, two, the notion that Donald Trump is a non-politician and is non-establishment is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. This is a guy who has been part of this system that he claims is broken. He's probably contributed more money to, you know, to admittedly try to buy politicians than anybody that's ever run for office. You say he's part of the establishment and that he's a con man, and yet there's something about his message that for millions of Americans has really, sure. really resonated. What is it that he's tapped into? Well, one, he's um, tapped into a lot of anger. And there are a lot of people out there that I think um, you know, just want to give a big middle finger to Washington, D.C., and they think that he'll do that. Um, and, and I think he is doing that. And if that's all you want out of your government, then God help us all. What kind of reaction have you gotten from Trump supporters? Oh, the most hateful vitriol that I've ever encountered in 25 years in politics. Um, you know, every morning, um, I have people that have Googled me, have tracked down my email address, and send me death threats. Um, it's a very, very regular occurrence. I don't read my Twitter uh, uh, responses um, from anybody that I don't follow, so I don't see a whole lot of that. But back in the day when I did, it was a very regular thing, threatening my family, threatening my dog. Um, you know, these are not people that are looking to bring me into the fold should he be successful. You know, there's all kinds of expectation that everybody else needs to bring Donald Trump and his supporters into the fold, but they're not doing a very good job of sort of opening up their arms to people that aren't with them currently. So you're getting death threats every day? Every day. And are these, are you reporting them to law enforcement? You know, I, early on I reported some of them to, uh, to Twitter and I had some people thrown off of Twitter. I haven't really dealt with it. My, my, my feeling is that their bark is worse than their bite and they, they're trying to get a rise out of me and, that, and I've just decided to ignore it because, you know, I just don't want to react and I don't want to give them the pleasure of thinking that they've gotten to me somehow. Do you think any of them are serious? I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're very, very angry people. And, you know, in 2012, I worked for Mitt Romney. He was the first Mormon, president, or, um, uh, Mormon presidential nominee. Um, and there were a lot of religious haters out there that sent a lot of nasty things our way. Um, but I honestly, in 25 years, have never seen anything like the anger and the hatred and the and racial nastiness um, that I've seen from, from some of these supporters. And I don't suggest that that's all of, of Donald Trump's supporters, but he does seem to have brought out um, a, a group of people that used to feel like they, they needed to you know, sort of keep quiet because what they say isn't acceptable in polite society. And Donald Trump seems to have given them permission to just speak their mind. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's very unfortunate. So 
if Donald Trump gets to the convention, he's not quite at 1237, but he's likely to be the one, that can, the candidate with the most convention delegates, wouldn't there be a kind of revolt if he then failed to walk away with the nomination? Well, I mean, there's a whole process here that, that is the job of these candidates to get themselves to 1237. And all of these delegates are bound on the first ballot only. You know, it's going to be his job to make sure that in all of these states where he's one delegate, that he's got his people that are going to the convention on his behalf so that after that first ballot, they stick with him. That's how this process plays out. Everybody knew the rules going in. And I don't think it's fair to suggest to the other candidates that a candidate that hasn't reached 1237 should automatically get the nomination. They're all playing by the same rules that he's playing by. And I don't think that you can say, well, if he gets close, then we really should just hand him the nomination because, you know, he got closer than anybody else. You've worked in Republican politics a long time. What happens to the Republican Party if Donald Trump wins the nomination? I think, um, I think we're at a real dividing point in our party at this point, no matter who wins the nomination. I think that there is huge disagreement about um, who should lead our party and um, what the, you know, what is sort of the uh, core mandate of our party moving forward. Uh, I think it would be very damaging to our party to, to, to have somebody like that at the top of the ticket. I think we would very likely have a complete rout in November. I think we would, we would lose likely lose both chambers of Congress um, because I think it would, it's going to be very, very difficult for our candidates to run, you know, five, ten points ahead of the top of the ticket. Donald Trump has surprised a lot of us by how well he's done in the mm -hmm. Republican contest so far. Could he surprise everybody and do better in a general election than you expect? I've talked to a lot of Democrats who have been worried about the ability to sort of bring together the Obama, Obama coalition for Hillary. Um, young voters, African-American voters, um, you know, Hispanic voters, voters that they've done very, very well with. When they look at a Trump candidacy, they say, that's our ticket. That's how we rally our base again. Katie Packer, thanks for joining us on Capital Download. Thanks for having me.